Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair and today I have the pleasure of bringing back to you uh, someone who's been on the podcast twice but he'd been on the radio two or three times prior to that before we did the podcast and it's always a pleasure to have him because I love seeing this guy anyway. Heck, I go to see him when I need a blood test or uh, other medical advice. He's my doctor. His name's Dr. Todd Cameron. Dr. Cameron, welcome back to Vitality Radio. Thank you, Jared. Pleasure to be here. Well, you know, I have had great feedback on the show that we did on thyroid uh, health and and, uh, thyroid labs and all that stuff. Had really great feedback on the one we did where we talked about testosterone as well. Uh, I intend, as long as you're willing, to bring you back on for many more. But this episode, I think, is going to be pretty interesting. We're going to talk about adrenal health. We're going to talk about uh, what uh, some of the terms that maybe you've heard, adrenal fatigue, adrenal exhaustion, adrenal insufficiency. We'll talk about even a little bit about uh, what some of the actual disease states that are recommended or recognized as diagnoses, um, Addison's disease, Cushing's disease. We'll talk about all that stuff. If you want to understand adrenal health, uh, I think this is going to be a fantastic episode. I know Dr. Cameron has a ton of information and wisdom to share with us here. But before we get into it, Dr. Cameron, will you uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself for people who haven't heard you on the show before uh, and uh, a little bit about your practice? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I've been in the game since the 70s. I started as a uh, an EMT, uh, you know, wilderness medicine, search and rescue, that kind of stuff in rural Idaho. And uh, I was basically a climbing bum. I ended up as an ICU nurse. I Go figure. Um, one of my climbing buddies was a nurse and his wife was a doctor. And I ended up in uh, primary children's ICU. And then I decided to press the reset button. Figured I'd go to school and become an ER doc so I could continue my bohemian lifestyle and ended up finding naturopathic, quote unquote, you know, like foundational functional medicine, however you want to label it. And, uh, the rest is history. All right. And what, and as far as your, uh, practice now, you just moved into a beautiful new building that apparently, uh, every street leading to it is torn up right now. You say, (laughs) (laughs) but but it's a great building. Oh, that's the old clinic. Yeah. The old clinic is in sugar house. I, I walked to work for over 20 years and, uh, the new owners were, you know, didn't want me paying the rent that I was paying. So they invited us to leave. Um, so we uh, moved to the Mill Creek area. Yeah. But uh, we love the the area we are right now. It's um, uh, the traffic isn't anywhere. All traffic in Salt Lake right now is crazy. But uh, <laughs> but we're at least I mean, when I leave my home in Sugar House just to get to my new clinic, it's comical the way that I have to go because all the roads are <laughs> torn up and being worked on and there's so much construction. 
And it used to only be a block walk. That's a drag. Yep. But uh, regardless, beautiful new building. Uh, you offer a lot of different services there. We will link to uh, the Cameron Wellness uh, website uh, and uh, put the address and phone number in the show description for you, too. So uh, just check that out. If you're listening on radio, you're not able to uh, uh, look at the, the podcast uh, description. Uh, you can always look, pull it up on your podcast app and look at it there. But Dr. Cameron, will you tell us the address of your uh, new facility? Uh, 3378 South, 2300 East Mill Creek. Utah. Okay. So it's right off right off the uh, 2300 uh, East. Uh, it's only, I don't know, maybe a half a mile off the 2300 East exit. Yeah, it's a pretty easy shot. I've been there a few times now and uh, not too tough to get to. Uh, and your phone number for people that want to reach out. Uh, 801-486-4226. All right. Excellent. Okay. So now that we've got that out of the way, I'll remind you that Vitality Radio is brought to you by Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful at 107 South 500 West. If you have questions about anything you hear on the show, you can certainly reach out to Dr. Cameron if you're interested in uh, working with him, or you can call us at Vitality Nutrition, 801-292-6662 is the number, uh, or you can jump on our website at vitalitynutrition.com. Okay, so let's talk about this, Doc. Adrenal fatigue, <clears throat> adrenal exhaustion. What what does that even mean? Yeah, right. So in school, what they teach us is there's Addison's disease, which is a complete lack of ability to make cortisol. Cortisol is one of your stress hormones that you make in your in your uh, adrenal glands. Uh, adrenaline is the other one. Epinephrine, epinephrine, and adrenaline are the same thing. Um, <clears throat> And then Cushing's disease, they teach you about because that's an uh, overproduction of cortisol. And these people, unfortunately, get, you know, the moon faces, the dowagers, humps, uh, they, their bones get really, they, they, that, that's a very serious disease. But adrenal, uh, I, I caution my patients um, to, in using the term adrenal fatigue, only because a very knowledgeable doctor by the name of uh, Dr. Wilson, James Wilson, he wrote a book uh, called Adrenal Fatigue. Um, <clears throat> and I've recommended that book to many of my patients. The problem is that as naturopathic medical doctors, we're kind of marginalized uh, in terms of people thinking our knowledge base and our, and our education is, is marginal. Uh, they don't understand what we, you know, like what the boards that we took. And, you know, I mean, I took 13 clinical boards to get my license, 13. Um, and that's outside of the basic stuff, you know, biochemistry, microbiology, pathophysiology. Mm -hmm. So what Dr. Wilson's book uh, illuminates is the different levels, if you will. And I'll go into that in a moment uh, of adrenal fatigue, but I caution people to use the term adrenal fatigue with other medical professionals because it's the term itself. You, you'll hear doctors say, well, adrenal fatigue doesn't exist. Right. And, and so I, I caution them and I say, look, if you're going to talk to a medical professional, you know, you might use the word adrenal insufficiency. Mm -hmm. So all of this comes from Dr. Hans Selyer. And I really encourage people to look into Dr. Selye. He's very, uh, he's he's very famous for illuminating the different levels of adrenal insufficiency. His 
his work back in the 50s and and a little before and after his whole life work was uh <clears throat> talk, he he, he turned his terms were general adaptation syndrome he started working with up until dr sellier you know all humans for time immemorial we've known about stress we've understood yeah stress can be a good thing it can be a bad thing and if you're over quote unquote stressed it can be a very bad thing but we didn't know biochemically physiologically chemically you know what's happening with stress so dr sellier started his work with animals and then graduated into humans and then we began to understand cortisol and norepinephrine and epinephrine and his, I will encapsulate his life's work. I call it a napkin presentation, right, Jared? <laughs> it's like, you know, you take a man's life work and put it in a couple of sentences, and that's ridiculous. It's absolutely right. ridiculous. However, he did talk about, um, in general adaptation syndrome, his concept is you have an adaptive phase where you're healthy, you know, you have a set a stress or a subset of stressors, and you bounce right back. Your cortisol comes back to normal. Your epinephrine comes back to normal. You're normal. But then there's the maladaptive phase, that what he termed maladaptive. And that's when you've been under so much stress for so long, or you've had one humongous stress or just whatever, that you lose the ability to bounce back biochemically with your cortisol. And then if it goes unchecked, you end up into adrenal exhaustion at the end of which is Addison's disease, which is a complete inability to make cortisol. And that's a life threatening disease, you know? So in the, in the maladaptive phase, in my world, there's, there's two areas. There's the area where, you know, in, in stress, well, when, when you go to bed at night, your cortisol's down here. When you wake up, your cortisol's up here. You go to bed, it's down here, up here, down here, down here. That's called a diurnal variation, right? So, but the vector is supposed to be like this. Like you're going like, you know, evenly, horizontally, if you will. Uh, it goes up and down, up and down, up and down, but it stays in a vector that's going horizontal. But in the maladaptive phase, the cortisol starts to go up and lots of things happen when that happens. And if it's unchecked and it gets farther into the maladaptive phase, the cortisol starts going down. And if that goes unchecked after a while, that's when you get into adrenal exhaustion and head towards Addison's disease. And so the, the goal of course, is to stay in the adaptive phase. Mm -hmm. And in this day and age with so much stress going around, that's, that's a, that's a hard thing to accomplish. Right. Yeah. And and that's actually was the next question that I had. But uh, before I get into that, I want to just um, ask for a little bit of clarification there, what you just said, because I think that was a couple of things are very interesting. First off, when we're done, I need you to spell Dr. Sellier for me. I want to uh, put his name and. Oh, uh, uh, so, may I so, do it right now? Yeah. Sure. It's S-E-L-Y-E. Hans Selye, S-E-L-Y-E. And then you said James Wilson was the other one that did the Dr. Dr. Wilson wrote the book many, many years ago, Adrenal, quote unquote, fatigue. And that's what, in my opinion, just my opinion, because we're marginalized physicians, I think because he was a naturopathic physician like I am. Ah, okay. 
he he by writing that book, I think that that term itself, you know, got a black eye. Became a naturopathic term instead of a medical term. Yeah. There you go. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I want to link to those because I think there are a lot of people listening that are probably going to want more information, want to dig a little deeper. And sounds like those are good ones. And I had I've not read their stuff, so I'd like to look at it myself. So I appreciate that. But um, so as far as medical diagnoses, you've had you've got Addison's and Cushing's that a regular doctor would potentially diagnose somebody with. Addison's would be adrenal insufficiency, basically. Cushing's would be a, basically hyperadrenalism, almost like hypo or hyperthyroid, right? I mean, it's yeah. almost like what we talk about with thyroid. You have a hypo and a hyper. Addison's would be on the hypo side and Cushing's would be on the hyper side. Um, what I thought was interesting about you said about what you said and that I'd like a little more clarification on is this thing where the adrenals become stressed uh, from essentially overwork when we become stressed and overworked and things are driving us crazy for an extended period of time or a significant trauma or a challenge that creates massive adrenal need for cortisol and, and all these things. And after a certain length of time, then instead of overproducing, the adrenals start to underproduce. And in my book, that would be called, I mean, you, it would make sense to call that adrenal fatigue or adrenal exhaustion at that point, because now the adrenals just can't do what they're meant to do. Is that what's actually happening is the adrenals aren't capable of producing like they used to because they've been doing it for so long, so hard that they basically are worn out? Yes. The, the, in, in creation, you know, when, when, you know, creator, when God built this whole thing, there was a biological imperative that was set in stone. A living creature will never be able to uh, not produce adrenaline. So you could be 100 years old and infirm, and the tiger jumps out of the jungle, and you're going to book it. You know, you're 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 going to have an adrenaline rush. And you're going to take off, fight or flight, right? Right. Now, at that age, with that exertion, you know, within about 200 feet, your heart's probably going to explode and you're going to die, but you're going to run <laughs> from the tiger. You will run right. from the tiger. Um, you will never, ever lose the ability to run from the tiger. But that's not true with cortisol. Cortisol, and to, to put it, like uber simplistically, the adrenaline saves your life because you're either going to fight for your life or you're going to fly, fight or flight. But the cortisol is supposed to come in later and kind of clean up the mess, like to lack of a different way of putting it. Um, so through stressors, if we can't replenish the cortisol to a normal level, we become insufficient in the production of cortisol in our adrenal glands. And what that means in a human's life is one thing that people will notice is that they become, uh, their startle reflex becomes much, much stronger. Like somebody will drop a cup behind them at a restaurant and they will just jump out of their seat. They'll just, or, and, or they will become really testy and people will, People will think that their uh, their personality is changing. Like, hey, you're if you're a guy, you're turning into kind of a dick, and if you're a woman, you're turning into a biatch, right? Well, mm -hmm. 
that's that's not a personality change per se. It's it's different levels of cortisol. And so you become uh, that's the you're getting into the maladaptive phase. You're you're becoming uh, unable to manage physiologically the stressors that you are under. Whether and, and stressors, let's be clear, let's be very very clear about stress. It can come from you know I have patients that that feel guilty because they feel like they're supposed to be able to handle stress better. And it's kind of like, well, okay, wait. Um, first of all, that's a physiological, that's the hypothalamus brain, pituitary brain, adrenal axis, what we call the HPA axis, hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal. Under ongoing stress, you're going to become unable to manage your levels of cortisol. They'll be too high, they'll be too low, whatever. And your personality will begin to change. People will think, oh my gosh, you're, you know, you're turning into a really, you know, angry or, you know, reactive person. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, you know, and, and unfortunately people accept the fact that, oh my gosh, I'm turning into a bad person. You know, I'm, I'm no longer a nice person and I'm now I'm a really angry and mad person. And it's like, well, can we, can we back up and look at like what made you, you know, stressed out? Was it money? Was it school? Was it, you know, family stress? Was it, you know, did a loved one die? Did you get married? Did you get divorced? Did you move? Did you change jobs? I mean, these right. stressors in a person's life will change the way that their adrenal glands work. So it's, they, they, if, if I can, if there's one thing I can tell people or have them accept about themselves is, look, you're perfect the way you are. We just need to back you out of, you know, your, your adrenal stress and your personality will come back. You'll be that nice, loving individual again. But boy, I can tell you, Jared, they, they self bash themselves like crazy because they think they're turning into this bad person. And it's like, my gosh, with all the stress in the world today, just ambiently, let alone the stress in your individual life, you know, if we can start to manage that better, then your 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 you're gonna your sweetness will come back. You'll be that that person again. It's it, that person is in there. I promise you. And doctors should never promise anybody anything, but I can promise <laughs> you that that person is still in there. But that person can't shine when their cortisols are all screwed up. So unless you were a jerk to begin with, yeah, <laughs> then we're good. No, I, I really appreciate you saying all that. I think that's really useful and I think it does need to be clarified for sure. And it is interesting because we do have to recognize, I think, how much and I and I think we often think of sex hormones this way, but how much hormones can actually impact us on a personality level, not just a you know physiological level and what they can do to us emotionally. Now, we talk a lot about cortisol. Cortisol is maybe, along with testosterone and estrogen, the most well-known hormone you know, amongst just the general public, I think. We talk about cortisol, and immediately people think, oh, that's the stress hormone, right? And interestingly enough, I don't think we talk about adrenaline that much unless we're talking about the adrenaline junkie that's you know, skydiving or whatever else. Uh, but cortisol, is it's kind of well-known and out there, but I'm not totally convinced that everybody understands it very well. So most often when I hear the word cortisol, 
from one of my customers uh, talking to me. They they put out cortisol as a negative. Like, I got too much cortisol. I got too much stress. Cortisol's killing me. They talk about cortisol as this big negative thing. But when we talk about hormones, balances everything, right? Too much of anything isn't so good and too much and not enough isn't so good. So let's talk about the maybe the plus minus of cortisol when it's high, how it impacts us versus when it's low. Sure. So um, according to Dr. Selye's work, you know, the first kind of, you know, crossing over the line from, from the adaptive phase of existence, uh, adrenally to the maladaptive, cortisols tend to start going up. And that's just simply in response to the uh, hypothalamus pituitary and adrenal response to the amount of stress that any given person is under at any given time. So when cortisol starts to go up, um, a lot of things happen that people don't like. And one of the main things that happen is, uh, uh, you know, from what people don't like anyways, is abdominal fat gain, like, you know, adiposity, fat gain around the tummy, around, you know, around the tummy. And that's, that's really frustrating to both men and women. Um, I have a a lot of uh, patients that that is uber, uber frustrating for. And during that first maladaptive phase as the, as the cortisol is coming up, um, there, there are a number of things that happen with the immune system, for example, uh, not only the fat gain around the midsection, but, you know, people's ability to, I don't know, fight off an adenovirus, like a cold virus or stuff like that. It begins mm-hmm. to change. And, and, and if they back down out of that, they come back, well, you know, then they'll get back to the adaptive phase. But if they continue on, there's a, there's an apogee, there's a, there's a high point that they pass if, if the stress goes unmitigated and, and let me back up one step and say, it's not necessarily just the stressors that they're under. It's more about how the body is managing the stress, right? So stressors are never going to go away. I and mean, people think that they, they say, well, I, I want to go live a stress-free life. And it's like, well, good luck with that. You know, you got a family, <laughs> you're going to worry right. about your kids, you know, you're, yeah, good luck with that. So it's a lot. It's a lot less about the amount of stress you're under, and it's a lot more about an individual's ability to manage that stress. And mm-hmm. there, that's a whole another Oprah show that we could go into a whole another show. But at some point or another, there's going to be a turn downward in the cortisol if if the stress goes unmitigated, uh, either unchanged or un- not dealt with well. And that's where you get into the scary area, because down the road from that, as you as the cortisol starts going down, not only does it affect your immune system dramatically. And I mean, these these are the people that not only are very reactive to startle, you know, to sounds and being spooked, but also to, you know, everybody else around them is fine and they get a cold every other month you know, or mm-hmm. they get sniffles or the, and they, their lymph nodes are swollen all the time. And it's like, what's, what's the matter with me? How come I'm sick all the time? It's like, and why am I never happy? Right? Well, as that goes down and down and down, these people, may, may I use an example? Sure. Okay. So I have a, a very dear friend uh, who many years ago was living uh, 
by themselves uh, with a parrot. But this individual is a very, very high functioning individual and had clients like in Manhattan and Hollywood and very, very high level in the military. And I mean, the upper levels of military. And mm -hmm. I mean, this individual was burning the candle at, you know, both ends and in the middle. Right. And so this individual had come to see me a number of times and I was very clear to this individual because there's some tests that we do that I, we can talk about in, in a moment. Mm -hmm. um, and this individual was not in a maladaptive phase. Uh, this individual was going down into adrenal exhaustion. Okay. She'd been hospitalized twice with energia. Energia is a word to describe no energy. So she shows up at the hospital at the ER thinking she's dying, quite literally thinking she's dying. And they do all the tests. Um, and ma mainly what they do is a cardiovascular test and then they screen her for drugs because they think, oh, well, she's using meth or something. No, she's fine. And, and they send her home. That happened twice. The third time it happened, she called me at four in the morning and I said, get over to my house. I ran up to my clinic. I started, I got an IV with some certain stuff in it and I brought it home. I put her, this individual on the house, I guess now, you know, it's a woman, put her on that couch, plugged her into an IV and just said, just sleep until you wake up. Okay. The fourth time this happened, <laughs> she lived up in the avenues at the time. She's driving down I stream at four in the morning, thinking she's dying. She's going to drive to a friend's house. She put a hoodie on. She passed out at the wheel. She hit a Hummer that was on the side of the road so hard that the Hummer hit a tree and knocked the tree over. Wow. Now, at this time, she'd stumbled out. She'd gained consciousness again, but the airbag had blown and had burnt her chest into her breast with a metal zipper. So she had this Harry right. Potter thing going. And by this time, she collapsed in the freaking front yard of this people's house. And these people are running out going, what in the world's going on? They called EMS. And luckily, at this point in time, she's like three blocks from LDS Hospital. And she ends up in the, in the emergency room. So she calls me in the morning and she says, okay, I'm going to come over. And she came over. And this woman is a very attractive woman. I'm, she's a, a world-class uh, practitioner. Um, and she looked like something that the cat drug in. I mean, she, and she sat down in front of me and she goes, okay, I'm willing to listen to what you have to say. I will do <laughs> what you tell me to do. So this woman was very close to Addison's disease. Very, very, very close. Um, she was getting to the point where, to be frank, and I'm, I apologize to your viewers for saying this, but this woman is well-connected, shall we say. Um, her, mm -hmm. her angels were basically telling her, okay, you're coming home. If you yeah. want to live this way, that's your choice. But, you know, you're, you're basically, you know, days, weeks away from, from checking out from this plane. Yeah, and then no we had a talk and she changed her ways. And I just spoke with her this morning on my way to work because her husband is uh, very ill and uh, he's, he's OK. But I just have to do some stuff after we get off. So she's fine now. She's she's in control. She's fine. But this is what this is what getting into adrenal exhaustion is like. These people are getting so out there. They're they're You know, I mean, she was passing out. Right. Yeah, she she had. So in the emergency room, what 
the ER docs don't do because they don't normally think about it is uh, there's a there's a hormone from the brain, just like any other gland in the body. There's a brain hormone that turns on the gland, right? So the hypothalamus talks to the adrenal gland, the adrenal gland, or I mean, the hypothalamus talks to the, the pituitary and the pituitary talks to the gland, whether it's the thyroid, the thymus, the adrenal glands, whatever. Mm-hmm. So in this case, it's adenocorticotropic hormone coming from uh, ACTH coming from the brain to turn on the cortisol production in the adrenal glands. Well, when you're getting into adrenal exhaustion, the message is sent and the hormone from the brain goes up, but nothing comes out of the adrenal glands. That is life threatening. Okay. So in, in the adre- in the ER, what the doctors should have done instead of just tox screen her for meth or whatever, cocaine mm-hmm. or heroin or, you know, is give her, take her blood, measure her cortisol, give her an injection of ATC, you know, the, 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 the hormone from the brain, adenocorticotropic hormone, wait a little bit and then take her blood again and, and measure her cortisol. And that's how you diagnose Addison's because if you give the hormone and the, and the cortisol does not come up, they're in Addison's disease. They're not on meth. They're not on heroin. They're not on, these people are very, very, very sick. I had to put her on cortisol, hydrocortisone, naturally occurring human bioidentical hydrocortisone, and it saved her life. And then as she got rid of some of the stressors in her life and began to be able to manage her life stress better, now she doesn't have to take that, right? But but it but it saved her life for sure. Mm. And there's a book out there by Dr. William Jeffries. Uh, Dr. William Jeffries wrote the book, Safe Uses of Cortisol, because what very briefly, and I'm sorry for being an aside here, but doctors, we worry about uh, steroid hormones because if we give too much prednisone, I mean, it can save a life for sure. If you got Crohn's disease or you're suffering from, you know, status asthmaticus and you, you can't breathe and you're dying. Well, in the, in the emergency room, we're going to, we're going to punch IV prednisone 60 milligrams to save your life. And then we'll tie, mm-hmm. trade it down. But <clears throat> when, when doctors and medicine figured out that at first, when, when we started using these corticosteroids, we thought, Oh my gosh, we've, we've cured, we found a cure for, you know, every inflammatory disease known to mankind. Well, right. Then the moon phase, then the bed dowager or something, then the immune system fails and then the bones go bad. And, and then we say, Oh, well then we can't, we, we can't use any steroids unless it's a life threatening situation. So Dr. William Jeffries stood up and said, no, wait a minute, you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. There is a middle ground. There's shades of gray. And that's what I have to teach my patients. What we learn in medical school, it's either Cushing's or Addison's. And it's like, well, how did you get to Addison's? You don't wake up one morning with Addison's disease and an inability to produce cortisol. You gain that through shades of gray of stress all the way along. Unfortunately, Dr. Wilson called that adrenal fatigue and then the MDs got hold of that and said, well, that doesn't exist. It's like, well, okay, then you explain to me how someone gets 
to Addison's disease if they don't go through adrenal insufficiency or whatever you want to call it. If they don't right. go through these stages over time, you don't just wake up with Addison's disease. You gain it. You have to work it. You have to get there. So what do you call the process of getting there? Dr. Williams Jeffries understood this very, very well and wrote a whole book on it so that doctors would pause and use cortisol in appropriate amounts in appropriate situations to help save people's lives, not thrust them into Cushing's disease. So there's a, it's, it's a very valuable book. Um, hmm. and, I, and I've been practicing this way, not, not exactly like he does, and I'm a lot more conservative, but um, you, you know, you can, with someone like this individual that I just described, if I hadn't have prescribed to her, you know, cortisol, hydrocortisone, human bioidentical, not prednisone. Um, I, I mean, her life would have been, she would have been sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker until she would end up having, you know, probably in the ER again. And hopefully somebody would, you know, have called an endocrinologist and somebody would have done an ACTH challenge, which they don't seem to want to do and found out that she's, oh yeah, she's two inches away from Addison's disease. We need to put this person on hydrocortisone. Well, I could see it very clearly and I just put her on hydrocortisone and it changed her life. Yeah, that's wild. So the, and I think that's really important. I, I love that you said there is a path between uh, adrenal health and adrenal dysfunction. It doesn't just go to, or, or I should say adrenal insufficiency, Addison's, it doesn't just get there overnight. Um, most, well, let me ask you, in your uh, opinion based on all the patients that you've seen, all the reading that you've done on these this topic. Um, just curious, take a stab at it. What percentage of Americans do you think, or what percentage of your patient population is on the road towards Addison's without actually being there? About 90%. Okay. <laughs> I wondered how high it might be. It, yeah. You know, and that's, that's, a, that's a rough guess, but um, you and I have talked about the 2016 phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, ever since 2016, um, yeah, stress has been, uh, you know, a major part of everyone's life, everyone. And I can measure that we can talk about ways of measuring that. Uh, but one of the ways that we talked about in the past uh, podcast was the uh, people that are, are under undue stress will uh, overconvert uh, from uh, thyroid T4 to reverse T3 and that blocks the T3 at the cell. And so that's one way that I measure it in almost everybody. Um, and there are, there are other ways. One of my favorite ways to, but, but, you know, if I say 90%, you know, I'm actually not kidding. I'm, I mean, I, you know, every, everybody manages it differently. There's some people that manage stress from a, so I'm, I'm talking about not only mentally, emotionally managing stress, but I'm also talking about physiologically managing stress. There are people that just are, are built sturdy. They, they, they manage their mental, emotional, physiological, physical stress much, much better than most people. There are those individuals, but they are uh, not the most common individual that I see. Uh, right. The most common individual that I see is going to have some degree of adrenal insufficiency, even if it's mild. I, I measure it in terms of, and, and this is really arbitrary. It's just my own way from, 
years of practice, I, I, I measure it mild, moderate, and severe. And one way that is easy and people can do it at home is just a blood pressure reading. So if you have a battery powered blood pressure cuff, you just, you know, have some, you know, put it on your left arm, upper arm and lie down <clears throat> for five to 10 minutes, very quietly. Uh, when you lie down, your blood pressure always goes up. And the reason for that is like, Jared, you and I are now sitting, I'm sitting on my little ball here at the clinic and you're sitting in your studio. Well, our feet are, you know, below our head. And when we stand up, our feet are even farther below our head. Well, that means that if blood is, you know, gravity works, right? So the pull of gravity is pulling everything towards the center of the earth. So in order for us to keep the amount of oxygen that we need to stay conscious and not faint uh, in our brain is the, the blood tubes below our heart, they have to kind of narrow a little bit. They don't close. They just narrow a little bit. And that keeps the blood pumping up with the oxygen to the brain. Mm -hmm. Well, when we lie down and we're all, you know, the brain and the heart and the feet are all at the same level, um, your tubes below the heart open ever so slightly. They just open a little bit. Uh, and that's because you're not fighting gravity anymore. Well, until that happens, your blood pressure goes up. So it goes up every time you lie down. Every time you lie down, your blood pressure will go up crescendo and then come down. So in order okay. for this test to be meaningful, and it's a very simple and inexpensive test, of course, it has to be, you've been lying down for several minutes so that you've come up crescendo and you're now in the valley below. Okay. Because the tubes have kind of opened up and that takes X, X number of minutes. I tell people at least five, if not 10 minutes lying down, but not talking, not laughing, not engaging, and then have someone else punch the buttons on the little machine uh, and take a blood pressure. Wait a minute, take another one. If they're within one or two, you know, the upper number is what you're looking at because blood pressure has an upper number and a lower number, mm -hmm. what they call the systolic, diastolic. Do you want the upper number to be about the same within one or two points, whatever? Then you wait a minute, then you stand up. Don't sit and stand, just stand right up and immediately take that blood pressure. What should happen, the blood is falling towards the center of the earth. The brain is saying, hey, wait, I need that oxygen. So I need blood to continue to pump up the tubes. So the brain, it's called the HP, uh, hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis, right? The brain mm -hmm. talks to the adrenal glands, the adrenals are going to talk to the heart and the blood pressure should come up and then go down again as the tubes close. If it stays the same, drops or plummets, those are different levels of adrenal insufficiency. And that mm. in my practice, that needs to be treated for a, for a whole lot of reasons that you know we probably don't have time to go into now, but for a lot of reasons, it needs to be treated. The way we treat it is different depending on what degree of intensity the person has. But certainly the, uh, that simple test um, anybody can do that at home and they can get kind of a bead ish, you know, on like, Hey, am I ex actually experiencing adrenal insufficiency? A more accurate way of course, is doing a four 
spit sample a day, morning, noon, evening, night. Uh, you spit into a tube and send it to a lab and they measure the cortisol and then you put it on a curve and that's mm -hmm. even more accurate. But uh, I mean, it's just it, the, the blood pressure cuff is it doesn't cost you anything. You do it in your own home. Uh, it's simple. It gives you when you don't want to do this test is if you have a cold or you're sick or you didn't sleep well the night before or your kid was up all night throwing up and you were up with them. I mean, you, you need to do this test on a day where it's a normal day for you. Nothing special day for you. Okay. All right. So you're testing your blood pressure twice after laying down for about 10 minutes. Uh, and that number, that, that systolic, that top number is supposed to be within one or two points of each other. If that is the case, then you stand straight up, test it again. And depending on how much it drops, if it drops, would then indicate it, how severely you may be dealing with adrenal exhaustion or whatever you want to call it, right? Yep. yep. Okay. All right. I love that. And I think that's a, I love tools like that that people can use at home to, you know, get a little bit of, of diagnostic information uh, so they can decide, you know, what makes sense to, to move into after that. So then we've already talked, I think, uh, enough probably about, you know, sort of what happens with this. It's mainly a stress response, long-term or extreme stress or both. Um, are there other factors other than stress uh, that people should be considering that could create more issues with the adrenal glands uh, other than just what's going on in their life and how well they're managing it? Well, unfortunately, we're living in a world that's not pristine anymore. And I don't know if I told you this, Jared, but, you know, it's the endocrine disruptors in our environment, uh, these chemicals from, you know, it's not just petrochemicals, it's not just farm chemicals, it's not just PFAS, plastics, it's just a combination of everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't even know what's floating down through the air sometimes. I mean, what whatever it is, is affecting us in our ability to produce hormones. Where I see this the most, where we've talked about before, is a reduction in testosterone production. Mm -hmm. um, but this is also true for, for so th this presents a an unseen factor of stress because it, it always boils back down to stress when you talk about the adrenal glands. But this isn't a stress of, you know, your job's lousy or your boss is a troublesome person or you're not getting enough sleep or you know, whatever, this is a, this is stuff that you just, you're breathing in and eating every day of your life. And I don't care how pristine you, I don't care how organic you eat. I don't care. You, you just cannot escape these chemicals. Now I can't tell you how much these chemicals are affecting our adrenal glands specifically. What I can tell you is they are an external excuse me, they're an external stressor that we have absolutely no control over. And we can't see it most of the time. Mm -hmm. Most of the time we can't smell it or taste it. Um, but we know it's there. I, I know it's there because, well, for example, in the past 18 months, the number of people that I, we have new patients that we have seen at my clinic who have had an optimum, not a reference range normal, but an optimum level of testosterone, three people, three. Yeah. So what that tells us is that whatever gland we have in our body 
is being affected by things that we can't, we, number one, we don't have any control over and we, we can't most of the time see it or taste it. Um, but it, but it does boil back down to stress, right? So then our behavior, you know, our, our interaction with our loved ones, our interaction with the people around us, that, you know, if, if there was ever a time in our existence on this planet where being nice to each other, <laughs> I, you know, now's the time, people, because we need light shining into our world. And light comes in through us. We are beings of light. We literally are. Now you can say that I'm talking metaphorically, and, and indeed I am. But Jared can also tell you that, no, recent science has shown that we actually create photons. We actually create light. Yep. So light comes into this world through us. And that light is represented in a lot of different ways. And if we want to create an environment in which we all have a healthier hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal axis, immune system, etc., it's by allowing that light to come through us into this world rather than being pissed off all the time at everything. Right. I mean, I have a, I have a hilarious patient who I really adore and he drives a car and on the car, it says, we, the people are pissed off. <laughs> now I can understand that a hundred percent. I understand that it's a very <laughs> volatile environment here. Right. But from the point of view of our health, from the point of view of our hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis, our immune system, our hearts, our minds, now is the time to allow uh, that that gentle light to shine through. I can't put it any more clear than that to everybody, my patients included. It's like, we don't have a lot more time to be grumpy. There's just, you know, I mean, what's the return? The grumpier we get, the grumpier we get, if you get my right. meaning. Yep. No, I, I appreciate that very, very much. And it's, it's true. We've, uh, we live in a world of division. Um, even what's going on right now in Israel and, and uh, yeah. you know, th between the Israelis and Hamas, you've got people on both sides and everybody wants to take a side on everything, no matter what it is. I'm on this side, I'm on that side, and you're wrong because I'm right. And you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and that sure doesn't help our adrenal glands. It sure does not. Absolutely. Uh, are there any, well, let's talk this. We've got uh, six, seven minutes left here. If someone does the test uh, that you recommended and they show that there is a drop there and they're dealing with some issues, if it's a severe drop, a plummet, it sounds like they ought to be uh, talking to someone like yourself and saying, hey, I need some help here Get, and, and probably do a spit test and and, you know, really get the numbers and see where they're at with their cortisol. Short of that, there's a drop. They feel like they probably do have some adrenal fatigue based on the symptomology they're experiencing. What have you uh, shown uh, from a, either a supplemental or a lifestyle or dietary things that help uh, people in that position? Sure. Um, and this is, you know, in the time left, I'm going to make it uber simple and there's a lot more rabbit holes. But basically, if it's, if it's mild... You know, if they drop, if they stay the same or drop one or two or whatever, or come up one or two, but it doesn't. So when you stand up, it should come up 10 to 20 points, the upper number. 
should actually okay. come up 10 to 20 points if you're real stout and healthy. If it kind of stays the same, doesn't change a whole lot, a couple of points, um, that's what I would call mild. And you know what, Jared, I just say take some Himalayan salt, a quarter tablespoon, put it in water, stir it around. And in all the glasses of water you drink one day, just drink one of those with salt in it. And it's, there's all those minerals help to support the adrenal glands. And, and that's just, you know, uh, I would normally say, why, why don't you go see Jared? And if it's moderate, like if they drop five, 10 points, um, I put them on adaptogens and you've got, you know, I mean, ashwagandha, holy basil, rhodiola, scutellaria, you got combinations, you got ginseng, you got ulithrococcus, uh, you know, all those herbs are, they've been known for thousands of years to be adaptogens. They support our ability to manage stress. So somebody that's in a moderate sort of state, I would say, well, go over to Vitality and get some freaking adaptogens off the shelf. I tend to prescribe combos. Um, my, my knowledgeable patients will figure out what they respond best to. Um, I come from a herbal botanical Western medicine mindset from my professors, not my mindset, just what I was taught in school, um, that we probably adapt to adaptogens. I've never really seen any science on that. And if you've got any science on that, Jared, I'd love to see it, but I tend to have them mix it up. Like take a bottle of this for a month or two, then change it up. Take, take another bottle. Like don't be doing the same adaptogens all the time, every day. Don't do it. Okay. And then if it's real severe, I, you know, I put them on hydrocortisone. I have to, uh, I mean, you know, I don't have a choice. And then I tell them to, you know, buy a ticket to Cabo San Lucas and throw their <laughs> cell phone in the seawater. And, uh -huh. Okay. So then obviously lifestyle has a, has a role. And one of the things that I love that you said there too, you know, prior to talking about the adaptogens and the, and the cortisol is we do have a choice and there are many times throughout the day that we get to make that choice in terms of how much a stressor stresses us out. I believe that wholeheartedly. What you said is, I, I think, with stress and with chemical toxicity is absolutely true. We can't avoid these two things. They're just going to happen. They're going to happen on a regular basis. We can eat more organically and avoid some of the chemical toxicity. We cannot use chemicals to clean our homes and scented candles and things like that. There are a lot of things, but according to the experts, maybe 55 or 60% of that stuff can be avoided and the rest of it's just in the environment that we live in and we're stuck with it. And stress could be the same way. There are things you can do to avoid stressful situations, probably uh, in some cases, but stress comes at us, it comes at us. We have a choice, I believe, that we get to make in many cases about how much what other people do actually impacts us when it comes to stress. And I think one of the biggest things that you point out is that whole light thing. I love the way that you put it. We get to allow that light to shine or we get to be pissed off, angry, upset, sad, depressed, all the different things. Literally just changing our physiology, we know can change our hormone levels, our stress levels. A smile makes a big difference. And a frown, right? Yes. Laughter is massive for stress, uh, for the com uh, combating of stress. So there are a lot of things that we get to do if we want to, or we can stay in that stressed mode. I always point out to people who deal with depression, 
what do you do when you feel really depressed? And one of the things that I hear is I put on my depressing, my depressing soundtrack, the music that I like that, that makes me feel like somebody understands me in my depression. I wrap myself up in my depression blanket and I put on a depressing movie and I just absorb all that depression and, and live with it and sit with it for a while. And I think to myself, yeah, that's actually kind of a natural response for depression. There's a, a response for stress, which is to sometimes lash out, be the jerk that you talked about, right, on either side of things. But we do have the option of saying, I feel depressed. I'm going to put on some upbeat music and I'm going to dance a little jig right here in the front room with a big smile on my face. And I'm going to refuse to feel those feelings. I'm going to choose to feel these other feelings. And if you feel like lashing out at someone on Facebook, maybe go to the next thing on the on the uh, you know stream of information that's on your social media and you know, put a heart on something that touched you or make a comment. I found that I'm, I'm kind of Mr. Affirmation. I love to receive them. I want to hear how great I am. Uh, when I was in the dating world, uh, I used to say, hey, listen, my two love languages are affirmation and physical touch. So if you give me a back rub while you tell me how great I am, I'm yours, right? I mean, that's me. And uh, so that works great for me. But I also am great at speaking the affirmation. I love to tell people how great they are. And what I find that is really powerful is that when I tell people how great they are, how wonderful of a job they're doing in life, especially if I feel like they need to hear that at that time, it lifts me up too. Yes. I feel much, much better. The tide lifts all boats. Absolutely. The, the tide lifts all boats. And, and, you know, maybe this is too much information, but, you know, at noon I watch dog rescue videos. <laughs> it, okay. it makes me feel good. And I tell people, just like what you're saying, uh, laughter is something I actually prescribe. And I'm not, you know, that sounds silly, but I, I'm serious as a boil here. Um, yeah. Watching comedies uh, can save your life. Yeah, yeah. I 100% agree. And another thing that I think is very valuable is laughter at self. Don't take yourself too seriously recognize that you mess stuff up just as much as everybody else messes stuff up and you're not infallible and it's okay to have a laugh about the stupid things you did. Um, there's real value in that. I was on hey, man, just, brother. the just ingredients podcast, uh, maybe a year ago now. And, uh, she asked me what the best ingredient for life is. And I said, laughter, laughter is the best ingredient for life. It's powerful, powerful stuff. And it can change your physiology and it can change how your body responds to stress, that whole HBA axis. We've run out of time, unfortunately, doc, you know, I could talk to you for 12 hours on any of these topics. Well, you know, us. Uh, <laughs> this show is too short, but I appreciate you very much. I love your knowledge and information. You always are able to give me some new angles to look at and uh, new ways to look at things, uh, new areas to look for the answers that I'm looking for. And so I appreciate that very much. If you're interested in uh, working with Dr. Cameron, he does do some telemedicine stuff. He also does, of course, in-person stuff here in Salt Lake City. Uh, his information will be in the show description, phone number, uh, website, address, all that stuff for you. And uh, if you have, uh, if you're looking for someone who, 
I, the way I put it when I describe you, Dr. Cameron, is someone who looks at the whole picture, not just the reference range on a blood test result. You're looking at lifestyle stuff. You're looking at personality stuff. You're looking at all the things and also not limiting yourself to just pharmaceutical interventions, uh, but also the possibility of things like adaptogens, vitamins, minerals, and so on. You're the type of doc that I think people ought to be seeing. It's why I see you myself and why I bring my loved ones to you. So I appreciate what you do for us Thank very, you, very much. All right. And for the rest of you uh, listening, Dr. Cameron, uh, obviously a wealth of knowledge and information. We'll have him on again talking about some other things. If you have questions about what you heard, call us 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or jump over to vitalitynutrition.com and we will help you there as well. We will link some of the my favorite adaptogens and some of the other things that uh, we talked about here in the show description as well. So if you want to look at those things, we'll have them for you there. For Dr. Todd Cameron and for myself, Jared St. Clair, thank you so much for listening to Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, Go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you.